Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our uh, third week in the series in the book of Acts, Serving God Together. And Acts is all about the early church and the followers of Jesus fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave them. And I did this one time before, but I want to read, um, I want to connect the dots for us today um, because Acts is about that early church. And I want to read that mission that is found in Matthew chapter 28 because I, I think it's really important that we connect the mission, Matthew 28, 19, with the book of Acts. Because without the mission, there's no need for the book of Acts. Does that make sense? So let me, let me, it'll come together in just a second. Uh, these are the words of Jesus, right? He's sharing these words with his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Note that. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. By the way, that last song, we can keep singing that last song for the rest of the year. I love that last song. That, there's a whole message in that last song I'm going to preach one of these days. But anyhow, getting off subject. Keep me on subject. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So I share that because that's kind of the mission that Jesus gave his disciples, those who were following after him, before he ascends into heaven. And it kind of wakens us up to the book of Acts. And a couple of thoughts as we begin today. In verse 17 that I read there, it states that some doubted. We don't know if this was some of, the, some, some of the 11 that were following Jesus' his apostles or if this was some of the followers, the extended followers that were doubting. We don't even know what they were doubting. Most likely they were doubting, is this really Jesus? But we don't know that for sure. Maybe they were doubting circumstances or the experience. We just don't know. But we do know this, that some had doubts in their minds, followers of Jesus who had some doubts. And I just thought... I share this because I love how the Bible records things that makes us uncomfortable at times. It records different things that we go like, oh, wait a minute, how do I, just, how do I reconcile this? I like that because the Bible is not an infomercial or a sales man, a manual that makes everything perfect. In fact, for me, when this happens, when I see this, it makes the Bible more real because it's real stories, real difficulties, real thoughts. It doesn't try to hide the emotions and the thinking and the thoughts of the apostles or the followers. And it reminds me, and this is what I want you to catch is this, it reminds me that our flesh, our human nature, tends to cast doubt upon the spiritual things that are happening in our life. Our human nature has a tendency to always cast doubt to something that was, read, your, read the Gospels. Jesus was always struggling with his disciples who either had doubt or with other people that were doubting what was taking place. When he went to Nazareth, remember it talks about when Jesus goes to Nazareth, he couldn't do very many healings because there was such a level of doubt of what was taking place. And I think for me, it actually gives me greater hope for when I have doubts or when people around me might have doubts. 
It gives me a greater hope that, you know what, it's okay. I just need to reconnect to my source, Jesus Christ, to overcome those doubts with faith. Amen? It reminds me that I can't rely on what I see physically, but I must have faith to believe beyond the physical and into the spiritual. It's not about what just I see, it's about what I know in my spirit and my relationship with Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul writes, For we live by faith and not by sight. For we live by faith, not by sight. Can we say that all together today? We're not, I'm not asking you to say something weird. This is God's word. So we can say this together. For we live by faith, not by sight. One more time. For we live by faith, not by sight. Pastor Tom, why do you have us do that? Because I think at times, just like that last song that we sang, you know, if you, didn't, if you didn't catch the meaning of that whole last song we sang, that was about Joshua. And God says, be strong and courageous. And Joshua and the people of Israel marched around. I was about ready to have a Jericho march right here in our church. I mean, some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. And I was in there marching around the walls of Jericho. And that seventh time they marched around and they gave a loud shout because God had already given them the authority. He had already given Joshua the authority. You know what? When you come around that seventh time, you blow the trumpet, you shout. And the walls of Jericho will come down. There's times in our life that we have been given promises by God. We have been praying for, for, for answers by God. And there's times where we need to stand in faith and be strong and courageous. And when that moment comes, we need to give a shout in the name of Jesus. Not by our own authority, because the authority has been given to us by God. And those walls start coming down in our lives. That's a word for some of you. It's way more than what my notes have. But that's okay because there's something there that's powerful for you to take on for yourself. It's having the faith to believe in the words of Jesus. It requires that I seek Jesus for myself to develop my own confidence and faith in my relationship with Jesus. Paul writes it this way in Romans 8, 16. He says, for his spirit joins with our spirit, Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It's our relationship with his spirit that confirms that we are his children. In Matthew chapter 18 and 19, or verses 18 and 19 in Matthew chapter 28, we are given our mission. We just read that. First, we're given the authority. Catch that? Jesus gives us the authority, just like he gave authority to Joshua, just like the song we were singing. He's given us the authority. Second, we are to go. Go is an action. It doesn't mean to stop. It means to go. Go where? Go and make disciples. Meaning go and teach people about Jesus. Go and share the good news of the gospel. And in verse 20, we see that we are to teach these new followers, those that we have taught, those who have accepted Christ and chosen to follow Jesus, we are to teach those new disciples to go as well. You see, it doesn't ever stop. It just keeps going. We are always about reaching more people for Jesus. It's our command. It's our mandate. I share all of this because it gives meaning to the book of Acts. And that's what we've been studying is the book of Acts. Acts of what? Acts of doing and going. Acts of making disciples. And the promise in verse 20 is that Jesus will always go with us. That Jesus will always be with us by his spirit. 
Let's now look at the book of Acts, chapter 2. That's what we're talking about. We looked at the first portion last week. We talked about the outpouring of God's Spirit upon believers, how His Spirit has empowered us with new boldness to share the good news of Jesus. This week, we're going to look at the last six verses of Acts, chapter 2. And I want to start reading at verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added, catch this, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. And once again, we ask that, Lord God, by your spirit, you bring your word alive into our hearts and into our minds. Let it not just be dormant, but God, I pray, Lord God, it will be a change agent in us, Lord God, that your word will touch us deeply, Lord God, so that, Lord God, we will continue to grow in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? So there really are four obvious direct directives in this passage of Scripture that we should look at in regards to our lives. Again, the Bible can only uh, be life-changing if we're willing to apply his word to our life. The very first sentence begins by declaring the believers devoted themselves. The believers devoted themselves. The word devotion in the English language means something like loyalty. It has the idea of loyalty. But in the Greek, it, it carries a deeper meaning of continuance and persistence. It definitely is part of loyalty. But the emphasis is more about not giving up. Every, anybody ever feel like giving up at times in life? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's not giving up. It's, it's choosing to persist and choosing to push forward. It's what, he's, it's what they're asking the disciples to do. It's what the church was doing, is even to endure, even during difficult circumstances. So what are the followers supposed to be devoted to? What are they not supposed to give up doing? What are they, what's this devotion all about? There's four things that's laid out really simple in that, in, that, in that very first verse that we read. First of all, it's God's word. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Think about this. The apostles were the 12, the ones who were, uh, spent three and a half years with Jesus and his ministry. And during this time, they learned a lot about the heart of Jesus and about the teachings of Jesus. They learned about who Jesus was. And remember, um, the promise that, that Jesus gives his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 26 this is a powerful promise that makes it kind of come alive when we read in the book of Acts. He says, my Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said to you. So think about it this way. The apostles, now these are the guys that are about ready to write the Gospels. They're write, about ready to write some of the New Testament. Remember, the New Testament is not even written yet. Th these guys are living it out. And they're teaching other believers about the words that Jesus said and it's coming alive to them. And they've, they've been anointed by Jesus to do this. These early believers are receiving God's word about the new covenant, about what Jesus is doing in people's lives. They were being taught the doctrines of Jesus. Doctrine is a fancy word for a set of beliefs. 
And this early church desired to know more about Jesus and what he was teaching. It was important to them. So important, catch this, so important that they were willing to risk their lives to follow after Christ. These early believers were devoted to God's word. And my question is why? Why were they devoted to Jesus' words? I think one of the things is that they believed in his resurrection. They believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I believe the, the other things, it was, a, it was changing the way they were thinking. It was changing the way that they lived. And it's a great reminder that the early church, because we forget this sometimes, and I kind of shared this, they didn't have access to God's word like we do. I mean, I have, God's, I have probably six Bibles at home. I have the Bible on my, on my phone. I have the Bible on my computer. I have access to God's word at any point in time in my life. These guys didn't. They would come together with the apostles, and the apostles would teach them, and they would learn. And for me, sometimes it's almost would be better. I don't want that, but listen to me what I'm saying. They were so hungry for God's word that they would, they would come together to hear God's word. We have it so available to us that it gets dusty on a shelf. Sorry. I, did, I didn't, wasn't going to throw out any zingers, but today I decided to throw that one out. I shouldn't have done that on Mother's Day. That's so wrong of me. But you know what I'm talking about. It's a great reminder for us to, to love God's word, to fall in love with his word. Why is this so important? Because God's word gives us a foundation to build our lives upon. Matthew chapter, if, you, if you're struggling with direction, if you're struggling, what am I going to do in life? If you're struggling, how would I go this? God's word. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house upon the rock, solid rock. This is important for all of us. We need God's truth in our life. The second devotion should be towards fellowship with one another. I'd probably have written something about golfing in that deal, but that's why the Lord didn't ask me to write any part of the Bible. But sometimes what we think about in fellowship with one another, we think about the, you know, like we're sitting around in a circle and singing Kumbaya, you know, my Lord Kumbaya. Nothing wrong with singing Kumbaya if you, if you want to do that. But fellowship is so much more than that. Fellowship is doing life together. It's hanging out as Christian brothers and sisters and just doing life together. Why is fellowship so, so important to our lives why, why, why does it really matter? Why do we need to have that devotion to one another? Because guess what? There's something powerful that when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. There's something powerful about fellowship. The church was never designed to be a place of, of competition or jealousy or any of that. It was designed to be a place that brings people together under the umbrella of unity and fellowship. So I want to just take a moment, and I just thought, as I was sitting on fellowship, I thought, what does fellowship bring us? Because, you know, we can say that, let's be about fellowship, but what good is that for me? Pastor Tom, why, why do you say fellowship? Well, let me share from God's word. Some, this is not a, an exhaustive list. This is just some things I looked at that fellowship brings into our life. First thing is strength. The Bible says two are better than one. Meaning that we gain strength from one another. When we walk in fellowship together, when one person is struggling, guess what? We can gain strength from the other person. And we, guess what? It's even better when three of us start walking together and four of us start walking. There are five. Guess what? We gain strength with one another. That's what the Bible talks about in fellowship. Fellowship brings growth. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Meaning that we challenge each other. 
not in a negative way, but in a positive way, that we continue to keep growing in Christ. We build a growth. We challenge one another. Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's move forward. I've had little small men's groups. I've had uh, our life groups. And in those life groups, we challenge our thinking. Those are good things because it says in the Bible, guess what? We're going to become sharper. We're going to know more. We're going to be a better follower of Christ. We grow. Fellowship brings encouragement. The Bible says to encourage one another and build one another up. I haven't found it yet. I haven't found anything. Hey, discourage one another and tear one another down. Doesn't say it in the Bible. We should not be a discouragement. We should be an encouragement. Are you encouraging? Or are you discouraging? If you find yourself discouraging others, or worse yet, if you find yourself discouraging yourself, something needs to change in your life. Because God hasn't called you to do that. I have young pastors, which recognizes that I'm getting old, <laughs> call me on a regular basis. Now, these are senior pastors. They're not associate. They're pastors of churches. And they call me and just say, Pastor Tom. And the reason I have it is because I've been in a lot of churches as business pastor, and I connect with pastors. And they, Pastor Tom, I'm just struggling. I, I, I. I had this going on, this going on. I don't know. I just feel so hopeless. This is a pastor talking to me. And I go, hey, you know what? God has this thing. Now, I might have felt that way two days before. I'm just teasing. But you know what I mean? But we encourage one another. I say, hey, God has this thing. You know what? Be strong and courageous, my friend. God's going to bring you through, and you're going to come out better than you ever could have imagined. Because you know what? It's not in your strength. It's in God's strength. Because when we are weak, he is strong. And I just start speaking life over that person. And all of a sudden, by the time we're done, that person goes, yes. And what I share that for is that if a pastor needs encouragement, how much more do all of us need encouragement at times in our life? We all need that. Amen? Amen. Discouragement, catch this. Discouragement comes from fear and unbelief. That's where it comes from. Discouragement comes from fear and unbelief. And I don't think any of us need to be discouraged. I think that, and we don't need to be discouraging others, because I think we can do that pretty well on our own. Amen? So let's be encouraged. The, the, another thing that fellowship brings is love and good works. According to Hebrews 10.24, it says, we are to motivate one another towards love and good works. There's something powerful when we work together, when we serve together. Brett was talking to me just the other day. He has this idea of a project that we're going to, as a church and as a youth, that we're going to get together and we're going to serve the community. And this whole COVID thing kind of destroyed this whole direction that we were heading as a church where we were able to serve others. But there's something powerful when we gather together and we work together and we serve. There's, there's a unity that's brought into our lives and that's what fellowship with body of believers brings. The other thing that I want to mention, fellowship brings God's presence. The Bible says, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am among them. Unity as believers promotes God's presence. Catch this thought. Sin among believers divides. Unity brings together. Sin in your land, I'm not talking about an occasional sin, a slip up here or whatever else. I'm talking about a decision to follow sin. When that happens in your life, it will divide you from others. It will divide the church. It will divide believers apart. When we stand in holiness with God, 
When we stand in faith with one another and we believe for one another, guess what? The church becomes unified together and we become stronger than ever before. Because why? Because God resides in holiness. He resides in the, in the love of his people who have a love for him. And when we all focus that direction, guess what? God can do amazing things. Can I get an amen? I think I'm preaching better than I'm hearing out there. Okay, thank you. That's just for me. That's my carnal nature, needing to hear someone's out there. Um, I'm sure there's many more benefits to the fellowship with believers. These are just a few that I chose from the Bible uh, today. But bottom line, we all have a devotion or responsibility to be about one another. Many times I've heard the statement, I don't know if you've ever heard this statement, don't tell me if you have. <laughs> Uh, I don't really enjoy going to church. I don't really get much out of church anymore. I just don't want to go to church. Ever heard that statement? No, don't worry, Shan. I have. And I think what happens is we get broken thinking. Somehow we think that church should be all about me. And church was never designed to be all about me. Church was designed to be, hey, how can I help others? And anytime church becomes about me, what do I get out of it? What can I, what can, how can you serve? What, all that direction, you're going, to be, you're going to be discouraged all the time. Because people are just going to fail you. I'm just telling you. There, it's just going to be disappointing. But something happens when we make this shift in our minds. When we start deciding, you know what? Church is not all about me. Church is about me serving Christ. Because church is the body of the believers. The ecclesia, that's the Greek word for body of believers, followers of Christ. When we get together and we decide, you know what? It's not going to be about me today. How can I impact someone else's life today? That's what's life-changing for you. It's what's life-changing for me. When all of a sudden that starts to happen in my life, guess what? I love church. Because I know that, you know what? In my small little portion, I'm making a difference. Not me. Christ through me is making a difference. Just like... The Holy Spirit was making a difference in that early church through the apostles as the, as the Holy Spirit was working through them. It should remind us about Jesus' words when he said, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Let's be about fellowship because you never know when you can impact the life of someone else. The third devotion is to share meals together. Now this sounds like a lot... Very similar to what the fellowship is, you know. You're welcome. If, if you want to go to the lobby, you can if you need to. That's no problem. Um, if it's the fellowship together, it's the sharing meals together. It sounds like, man, is that the same thing as fellowship? And it's really not. Because in the Bible, that scripture really talks about communion. And what, it, what communion is, is that God's people coming together. And we're focusing on Jesus Christ. Amen. We're focusing on, on not just one another, but we're focusing on Jesus. There's an intimacy about sharing meals together. If you remember in the book of John, it talks about, I think it was in John, it talks about the Last Supper. Where all of a sudden Jesus and his disciples, the Last Supper is because it was the last meal they were enjoyed together before Jesus' crucifixion. And they came together and there was an intimacy about that meal. It wasn't just fellowship, there was something deeper. If you remember, Jesus all of a sudden takes a towel. And the disciples have been walking, you know, through all the sand and the dirt and everything else. Their feet are gross and they probably have ingrown toenails and there's some probably fungus on their feet and everything else. You know what I'm talking about? 
Don't get sick. Anyhow, you see, y'all, and all of a sudden Jesus takes and he starts to wash their feet. He just begins to wash their feet. Remember when he gets to Peter, Peter says, oh, no, no, Lord, you're, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, oh, unless I wash your feet, you're not going to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and Peter will wash my head and my feet and everything about me, you know. Peter is always overdoing it like that. I love how Peter works. But he gets it. But Jesus didn't come to be served, but Jesus came to serve. He came to make a difference. And there was an intimacy in that moment. And that's what I believe this scripture is talking about. We can do fellowship together, which is great. Hang out together, have do fun things together. But then there needs to be times and moments of intimacy where we're sitting across the table and we're sharing life, real life. Hey, you know what? I can pray for you. I'll be praying this week that God's going to help you through this time. What? What's, what, what's wrong with, what's, what's happening with your child? You know what? Let me pray with you. And my, my wife and I will pray for you this week. Annette and I will get across from the table. We learned so many things just at a mealtime. More than we would ever learn anywhere else. It's that intimacy with one another where we lift one another and we encourage one another and we're making a difference in the church. It's called the breaking of bread. It goes beyond surface discussion and platitudes. It's sharing about the goodness of God. It's sharing about the love of God with one another. The New Testament church was all about community. There was all about communion together. In fact, if you look at verse 45, it states that they brought all their property and possessions together and they share it with another. They sold everything and brought it together. So I'm like, next week we're going to share everything. We're, we're going to sell everything and we're going to bring it all together in the church, okay? And I'm going to be the manager of everything, okay? No, just keep We live in a great society where most of us are, do pretty well in, in our society, which God has blessed us. But the thing that you've got to remember in the New Testament is this. They were un- under the oppression of Rome. They were being persecuted just because they were declaring that they were followers of Jesus Christ. And because of that whole idea, they, they came together because they needed community together. They needed the support of one another. They brought everybody together because we're going to be the family of God. And there's something about that that we need to get back to to a certain point. We need to become about the family of God, about one another, about lifting each other up when we're, we're hurting, and about being a part. And it's not just fellowship. It's the intimacy beyond that. Amen? Amen? The last devotion mentioned in verse 42 is prayer. Prayer is not just what we had the other night, a night of prayer. But prayer is a daily devotion. It's taking time to pray throughout your day. Pastor Tom, I don't have time to hardly. No, you have time. Prayer doesn't mean that you always have to, you know, get on your knees and, and be at church to pray. And No, prayer is driving down, you know, in your car. And you're about ready to go into a meeting and say, hey, Lord, lead me, guide me. Help me through this process. Prayer is all of a sudden getting a phone call from your child and they're upset about something. You hang up. Lord, will you just bless little Johnny today? I just pray your blessing. Prayer is a constant thing that should be happening in our lives. It can be powerful. You look back at verse 43 of Acts 2, it mentions that the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I actually like the ESV translation of this verse. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It wasn't that the apostles had, it wasn't that the apostles had the power, but it was the Holy Spirit working through them that brought the anointing for healings and miracles. 
And I believe much of this happened because they were unified together and they were in prayer for one another. Prayer changes things. It changes directions. Paul writes, don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray. Pray. Pray about everything. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, he says, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. That's a bold statement that Jesus made. Pray about anything. If you believe in re- that you received it, it will be yours. That just tells me I can't stop praying. I got to continue to pray. Corey Tin Boom once said these words. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? You'll catch it. Is it your steering wheel? Is it the thing that's in front of you, prayer? Or is it that thing that's in the back of the trunk that has a bunch of stuff piled over and you never even recognize the spare tire? You know, until you pull it out, you go, how does this thing work? You know, that's, we should never be in that situation where all of a sudden we need to pray and we don't even know how it works. Let's start practicing today. Amen? Why did Jesus encourage us to pray? Why does Paul encourage us to pray? Why does John and the rest of the apostles? Because prayer changes things. And most importantly, that we need to remember, prayer changes us. When I pray, it changes me. So our challenge today comes from God's Word in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Are you devoted to God's Word? Are you devoted to the fellowship of God's people? Are you devoted to communion or intimacy with one another? Are you devoted to prayer? Amen? Let's take those four things as a church, as a body of believers, as a body of Christ, and let's be about one another. More importantly, let's be about Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word does not return void. It is powerful. It is effective. It changes us. I pray as we continue to walk down this uh, journey of the book of Acts, that, Lord God, we will continue to run into your word in such a way that it wrecks us at times. It feels like we've almost been in a car crash. It wrecks us to a place where, God, we start to change in certain areas of our life. I thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. Let us be a blessing to those around us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.